Now it's your responsibility to arrange the troops under you. You've got to obey and you've got to get things in order. That's the, that's the inference of this word submit that Peter is using here. In the secular usage, the word simply means to obey. Be subject to. A willingness to cooperate and take responsibility for the command that has been extended to you. So picking up from verse 18 in chapter 2. If you've got a Bible there, turn with me now. We want to dig a little deeper into this word. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of an unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Now before you jump to the conclusion here that when the NIV translates that word slaves submit to your masters before you jump to the conclusion that this text is warranting the practice of slavery or if you're thinking of slavery as slaves who are in chains and are getting beaten uh, that's not really the inference that Peter is using here the word is often translated servant as it was in Cam's uh, translation servants be subject to your masters let me say a word or two about slavery uh, in the first century. Some authors would suggest that in the context that Peter was writing there, there would be upwards of an Asian minor, in the urban context, there would be upwards of a third of the urban population would be slaves. And these slaves uh, would be in all sorts of vocations. They would be doctors, they would be nurses, they would be teachers, they would be accountants, they would be secretaries, they would be sea captains. So this word is often translated servant, as I said. It has a connection to household servants. Servants be subject to your masters. So for you Downton Abbey fans out there, and I know there's a few of you, come on, own up to it. This is this is, who's the old guy? Carson, that's right. So Peter's talking to Carson. So it's not just that he's talking about people who are enslaved. This could be household servants, this could be doctors, this could be accountants. These people are indentured in some way to their masters. They must be submitting to their masters. When I traveled to Nairobi a few years ago, Nairobi, the city, is made up of suburbs of masters and suburbs of servants. And so there would be the wealthy that would be living in a suburb here and the servants would be living in another suburb there and they would head across and they would have to serve and submit to their masters. Submit to them, Peter says, if they're good and they're gentle, but also, he says, if they are harsh and if they are unreasonable. He goes on in verse 20 to say, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. So these verses are not about slavery. These verses are about suffering for Christ's sake and the willingness to submit to harsh treatment for the grace of God. Now, some of you who have been around a few years... Back in the 80s, a young man uh, who was about my age headed off to Beirut, a very young man, about in his 50s, and he headed off to Beirut under the authority of the Archbishop of Canterbury 
to help four hostages who had been enslaved in Beirut. They were, they'd been taken, uh, they'd been kidnapped by Hezbollah and they'd been there and this particular gentleman went over there to try and negotiate their release. His name was Terry Waite. For those of you who have my uh, generation, you will know that name was very, very familiar for years. We kept hearing about Terry Waite. He was an experienced negotiator. He had lived in uh, Uganda for many years. He was very experienced in negotiating hostage releases. But when he went to Beirut, he himself was taken captive and he was enslaved. And he spent the best part of the next five years enslaved. He was in chains. For those five years, most of the time, he spent in solitary confinements. And he was a man of faith, a deep man of faith. They would beat him. They would mock him. He went under all sorts of suffering. And if you've read anything about solitary confinement, you'll know that's one of the harshest treatments that prisoners can have. Well, this week, Terry Waite's been celebrating, I think, his 80th birthday, one of his birthdays, and he's been reflecting about the call to forgive his captors. He went back about 10 years after his release, spent five years in captivity. About 10 years later, he went back and extended them the hand of fellowship, extended them the hand of forgiveness, and asked for reconciliation to happen. He said this week he's learnt the importance of seeking reconciliation through times of division. You don't have to agree with what people do to be able to forgive. That's a significant phrase, isn't it? You don't have to agree with what people do to be able to forgive. If you can't forgive, he says, it restricts your own future. Forgiveness is liberating. Part of the call to submitting to people in authority over us is also that call to be able to forgive when we are wronged. Listen to what Peter says again in verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Called to suffer because Christ suffered and left us, us an example. This week in Midweek Breakfast, we've been reflecting on uh, the martyr, the first Christian martyr, Stephen. And we've been reflecting on his journey from being called to serve at tables and then being stoned and then ultimately his death. And we were struck as you read through Acts 7 of the echoes between Stephen's life and death and our Lord Jesus' life and death. In particular, his utterance of words of forgiveness. As he is being stoned, he utters the following words. We pick this up in Acts 7.59. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's last words before he was stoned by these Jewish leaders was to extend a word of forgiveness to them. Called to suffer because Christ suffered before us. Peter goes on 
in verse 23 to describe some of the things that we can respond to when we are being treated unfairly. God forbid that any of you here this morning will have to give your life as faithful witness to Christ. But let's be clear, many of our brothers and sisters around the globe today, perhaps even this hour, are having to give their life to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that that will be your joint journey or that that will be your calling. But these words that Peter says are our calling and will be our journey. Verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted to him who judges justly. So Peter's saying we've got this calling to suffer because Christ has suffered before us. And he's saying that because Christ suffered, you too will suffer. And that's a part of your calling. A part of that calling means that we don't retaliate. How can we do this? How can we actually live faithfully and not retaliate when we are experiencing the suffering? How can we do that when everything inside us Everything in our natural person says, we want to get revenge. We don't like the way these people are treating us. We want to get retaliation. We want to get back on this human individual. And Peter is saying, no, you're called to suffer. You're not going to retaliate. And here's the reason why, because you have entrusted yourself to the one who judges justly. How can you endure the suffering how can you endure this call to suffer? Because, Peter says, just like Christ endured the suffering, he did so because he entrusted to the one who judges justly. When you've entrusted your life to your heavenly Father, the one who judges justly, you can put up with anything. Because you know that the one who judges justly is in the fullness of time going to just every, judge every single person that is ever born. Justice will be meted out even though it may not be your experience right now justice will come how can you endure the suffering because you have entrusted yourself to the one who judges justly that's what peter says here is it easy no it's not does it come naturally no it does not the only means that you can do that is by walking in the spirit as we've already sung this morning the flesh, the human nature inside us says we want to retaliate, we want to get even. And the Word of God says when you're walking with the Spirit of God, when you've entrusted your whole life to the one who judges justly, you can endure this calling. Why can you endure? Because Christ has shown us that you can endure. This passage that Peter is quoting from here. He's quoting from the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to turn back there to unpack. It's such an important passage as we reflect about this call to suffer. This chapter, chapter 53 in the book of Isaiah, sometimes called the suffering servant. I'm picking up in chapter 53 of Isaiah, picking up initially in verse 9 that Peter is quoting. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit on his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. 
And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. This was the call of Christ. This was the first glimpse that we heard of the gospel. The first time that the gospel is articulated is in the book of Isaiah. And here we find Jesus, the fulfillment of this word, the suffering servants called to suffer. This was God's will for Jesus, called to suffer. And Peter's saying here in our, this morning's text, guess what? It's our calling as well, the call to suffer. Back in verse 4 and 5, we read the following. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is the great exchange that Isaiah is talking about. He, the suffering servant, the Lord Jesus, was pierced for your transgressions. The great exchange when we come to the cross is that our sin is laid on the cross, laid on our Lord Jesus Christ, and his righteousness is laid on us. The great exchange in the call to suffer. Isaiah goes on in verse 6, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah describes how the suffering servant suffers the following items. He suffers pain, suffering, punishment. He was pierced. He was crushed. It all happened at Calvary 2,000 years ago for your sake, for my sake, so that we might know, as Isaiah says, peace, healing, forgiveness, and significantly, we are welcomed back into the sheepfold, the great exchange. The Lord Jesus suffered all of those so that you, Two, can know the freedom of the fullness of salvation. And then Peter concludes this little passage by saying, the shepherd of your soul is welcome you back. The overseer, the shepherd, welcomes you home, just as Isaiah said the same thing in chapter 53. It's not an easy calling, this walk, to walk with Christ. Don't ever let anybody tell you it's an easy walk. <clears throat> and guess what, church? It's getting harder by the day. It's getting harder by the day. We're living in an age where the world is saying to us, you've got to avoid suffering at all costs. Avoid suffering at all costs. And we had a reflection on Wednesday night with a few of us, and we were talking about this, and, and one of the people present said, you know, we've been told that if you are suffering, then you must assume that something is wrong. That's what the world tells us. And Peter's saying here, guess what? If you're following the Lord Jesus faithfully, you have a calling to suffer. The world would tell us you need to avoid that at all costs, and Peter would say you need to embrace it. Why can you embrace it? Because you've entrusted yourself to the one who judges justly. Paul Windsor, a preacher for Langham Institute, has preached through First Peter a number of times, and he was sharing with a, a Kiwi preacher recently. He was saying he's preached First Peter and all around the globe, and he's preached through this letter a number of times in New Zealand, and he says, you know what? In New Zealand, it never quite lands. 
that never quite lands. But when he preaches in Asia and when he preaches in Africa, when he preaches in the Middle East, guess what? The Christians there understand this call. They understand what Peter is saying because they understand the call to follow Christ is a call to suffer. What do we need to learn from this letter? What do we need to learn as we listen to God's word that so, so pushes against our flesh and our desire to be comfortable and what the world says to avoid suffering? What do we want to learn this morning? I want to suggest this morning that this call to suffering in your life when you are experiencing suffering in your life, don't think that necessarily something is wrong. Know that actually something might be going right. That actually you might be in line with where God is asking you to be right now. Peter says to follow Christ is to be called into suffering. The world tells us to avoid suffering at all costs, but the righteous embrace the way of Christ, and we take up our cross. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. To learn submission, as we said last week, is to learn the way of Christ. And part of that submission is to hear the call to suffer. Does that mean we don't speak up against injustice? No. Does that mean we don't react Against evil in our world, no. What it does mean is that Jesus' people, the people of God who have been called holy, who have been set apart by God, know that the battle belongs to the Lord. We know that this battle has already been won at the cross of Christ. That the one who is pierced for us, who shed his blood for us, has already overcome. The victory has been won. And yet, it has not been consummated fully yet to live by faith is to live in the victory of calvary even as we suffer today the victory is ours this week i've been reflecting on a particular psalm that actually speaks into this whole area of entrusting our lives to the just judge the one who will bring justice in its fullness of time it comes in Psalm 37, where we read the following. Delight yourself in Yahweh and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in Yahweh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to Yahweh, trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. Church, in the midst of all that's going on in your life right now, whether it's struggle, whether it's suffering, whether it's hardship, whether it's joy, the call for you this morning in the midst of that bigger call to suffer is to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. Entrust yourself to God 
and he will bring it to pass. He will allow you to inherit the land, the psalm says. Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Father, as we gather in your name this morning on this Pentecost Sunday, as we reflect on your Spirit coming amongst us, as we reflect on the Spirit ministering the victory of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and as we reflect on your word to us this morning from Peter, the call to suffer, Lord, we acknowledge we can't do this alone. You never said we could. You never expected us to do this alone. And that's why you're present with us this morning by your Spirit. Lord, help each and every one of us to be faithful to that calling to suffer. But more than that, help us to entrust ourselves to you. Help us to trust you. Help us to delight ourselves in you, that you might give us the desires of our heart. Help us, Lord, to know the victory that you have won in our lives, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of struggle. Lord, we thank you that you are with us this morning. We thank you for the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the great exchange that has taken place. Lord, for reminding us from Isaiah 53 of the great price that your son paid that we might be free, that we might live victorious lives. Minister your grace to your children this morning. Minister your victory to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord as we gather around the Lord's table now.